brand new teaching series today. Uh, I remember coming across a couple years ago a meme on the internet uh, with little phrases, you know, where it would say me, and then it would say something that was true about someone, and then it would say also me, and kind of give the real thing of what's going on behind the story. And I thought, boy, isn't that the truth of our lives, that there's always something else beneath the surface. In fact, oftentimes that's what's driving what's going on in our lives. And so for the next couple weeks, we're looking at the often hidden motivations that drive our lives and how we can actually invite God in to those places and integrate our lives more so that we can be all of who God created us to be. Now, I uh, gave myself a little homework this weekend or this week preparing for this weekend and I didn't even know that I was going to do it. I gave myself a little case study on myself about what's really going on beneath the surface and how it actually comes out. Uh, This week was a pretty full week. Our staff went away for a staff advance on Monday and Tuesday, an amazing time where God spoke and led our team into the future in these next couple years as a church. Very excited about that. Got back from that and was teaching at midweek on Wednesday night. We kicked off a study of the book of James. I was so excited to kick that off, but I had to, you know, finish my notes for that. And so spent most of all of Wednesday studying, preparing for that, but I also had to get my notes and stuff ready for this weekend. And then on Thursday, I had some time to write, but I was really supposed to take a day off because I worked all the way through last weekend. So I was supposed to take a day off on Thursday, but it kind of didn't really work that way. And then we're in the car and it's Thursday night on our date night and we're in an Uber heading to a date night to meet up with some friends. And Jeannie asked me the simple question, we're not even a minute away from the house. And she says, how's the message feeling for this weekend? How dare she ask me that question? (laughs) And I blew up. I mean, out of nowhere, we were doing fine. We were just like, we we're all happy and stuff, getting ready as we were getting dressed and going on the date. She asked, how's the message for this weekend? And I blew up and said, it's not done, okay? I'm not finished with it. I'm not where I want to be. It's not where it needs to be, all right? I don't know how I'm going to get it done. And I just stare, you know, kind of passively, aggressively out the window. And she's like, a gay? And she's like, well, like, are you going to be able to get it all done? I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it all done. I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough time. And all of a sudden, I'm finding myself just blowing up. And our Uber driver's just turning the music up a little bit more. (laughs) He's like, I'm having none of this. I don't think we got a five-star rating on that ride. Anyway, the point is, I all of a sudden, out of seemingly, out of nowhere, blew up over a simple question that Jeannie asked. And I could tell by the look in her eyes, that was not what she was expecting. How did I get there? How did I get there? And in a little bit, I'm going to walk you through how I got out of that space, how God allowed me to work through that with her. But I think it sets up a fundamental question that all of us really have to wrestle with, all of us have to wonder about. And the question is this, why do you do what you do? This is a fundamental philosophical question. Why is it that you do what you do? Why did I blow up in the Uber in that moment? Where did that come from? Why do we act the way we do? Why do we react the way that we do? Where do you think all of that actually comes from? Think about it. Uh, Have you ever had a moment where you find uh, yourself in the middle of blowing up like I did? You're just blowing up and you don't even know where it came from. You're yelling at someone at the Home Depot. It's not their fault, but you're mad at them about they didn't have the two by four that you need. Uh, Whatever, all of a sudden, you just revved up. Where did that come from? 
Or maybe you found yourself uh, yelling at someone on the road while you're driving because they cut you off or they didn't use their blinker or they didn't give you the obligatory wave after getting into your lane. And you proceed to tell them without them being able to hear you everything that's wrong with them and their life, their family, everything. You just blow up all of a sudden the car. You ever have that happen to you? Or, or maybe for you, you found yourself crying um, almost, some would say, uncontrollably. You don't even know why it is that you're crying, but you can't seem to stop crying. You ever wonder why some days at work go really great and you're, you're feeling great. Everything's awesome and all possibility and you're pouring everyone else's coffee for them. It's great. And then seemingly in the middle of the day or the next day, everything's terrible and you're mad at everyone at work and it's everyone's fault. You don't even like where you work anymore. How, why do we do what we do? Where does that actually come from? And what if you could actually get upstream of those moments and better understand and invite God into what's really going on? Like what if you could kind of diffuse that fight? Or what if you could have a different framework for showing up at work? What would it look like for you to invite God in so that you can actually experience better connection with others, a greater integration in your own life, and deeper transformation with God. That's what we're going to get at. So let's grab a Bible to do that. Romans chapter 7 is where we're going to start. So if you have a Bible with you, awesome. You can open to Romans 7. If not, right under your seat, there should be a Bible. Grab it, and I think you might want to take notes today. So you might want to grab a pen, jot some things down. I think there's some good stuff today that can help you in your life and your relationships. So Romans chapter 7, in the Soul City Bible here in an overflow as well, you can turn straight away to page 916. Page 916 will get you to Romans chapter 7. We're in the New Testament. And Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, uh, is the author of the book of Romans. The book of Romans was actually a letter to a church in anyone want to guess what city? Rome, look at you Bible scholars. Come on, people said the 1030 crowd wouldn't get it, but you got it. All right, so he wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and he's speaking to them about what this life with God looks like, this new life with God looks like. And he's comparing, as we're coming into this part we're going to look at, he's comparing sort of the law of God with the grace of God, how we actually need both more than we even realize. That there's a role that the, the law of God, or the way of God, the rule of God, the guardrails God gives us are actually important to our life, but that we also need grace in our lives. He's talking about the tension between sin and sanctification, between who I am and where I'm at and who God has actually made me to be and where he is leading me. This is what Paul says in Romans 7, verse 15. He says this. Listen to the honesty, what he writes with. I do not understand what I do. See, you're not alone. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Can I get an amen from anyone who has ever faced this before? Some people refer to this as Friday nights, right? Like this is like, <laughs> why did I do that? Why did I end up there? Why well, I with them? Why do I do the things I say? I said at the beginning of the day I wasn't going to do. I said at the beginning of the year I wasn't going to do, and then I end up doing them. And the things that I said, my intentions, my declarations of what I wanted to do, I don't even end up doing those things. Can you relate to Paul as he says, I don't even understand why it is I do what I do. He goes on to say this in verse 16. And if I do what I do not want to do, if I end up doing the thing I said I wasn't going to do, then I'm basically a case study 
that the law is good, that God actually has given us guardrails that we need. He's saying that, look, I, I am proof that I need some boundaries in my life because if left to myself, I'll just keep on doing what I don't want to do. He goes on to say, as it is, it is no longer I myself who's actually doing it, but it is what? It is sin. Okay, let's say that again. It is sin living in me. So now he's kind of getting to what's really going on here. Paul is letting us know that there is actually something else at work in us at all times. And he says that it's sin. There's two things kind of going on. My, you know, created self in God, I want to follow God, and there is this one in me, this part of me, that is constantly drawn to sin. And what Paul is saying here is really actually important, because he's saying that sin isn't something that's out there. He's saying that it's where? in here. It's not out there. So I'm like, oh, I hope I don't get tempted. Oh, I hope I don't make that decision again. Oh, it's all their fault. Or they're the ones that made me do it. No, he's like, no, 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 no. It's in here. It's not just that I'm drawn to sin. What Paul is saying is that times I'm compelled by it. It's actually what drives me and pushes me and even motivates me into the decisions that I make. He is basically saying there is a struggle in you and the struggle is real. Verse 18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For again, he keeps saying it over and over again. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Now I want us to look at that phrase there because it can be a little bit confusing at the beginning. That phrase, good itself does not dwell in me. You see that? He's not saying there that there is no good in you because that kind of be like a sort of masochistic, sort of terrible like, view of yourself. Like, there's no good in me. That's actually not what he's saying. The original language probably is better translated to say, it is not only good that dwells within me. See the difference? He's not saying that there's no good in you. He's just saying that's not all that there is. It's not only good. Well, some people would say that they believe that human beings are uh, inherently good. Paul would say, yeah, but not exclusively good. Yes, we are good, but not exclusively. There's some more going on here, that we are, in fact, a mixed bag, that there is good in you. There is good in me, and it is your connection to and reflection of the God who created you. There is good in you, but that's not all that is in you. That's not all that's in me. He goes on to say in verse 19, for I don't even do the good that I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's this sin, this thing, this struggle within me that does it. So I find this, he's using the language of law again, I find this law, this principle at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. All right, can you relate to this? Felt this struggle, felt this tension? Paul is essentially naming the human condition. This is what all of us face. All of us long to do the right thing. All of us long to do good things, to love others well, to make great decisions with our lives. And sometimes we do. And sometimes we don't. And most of the time, we don't know why. We don't know why it is that sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. And if you want to know why, I'll show you why, in fact, to do that, I want you to check out this image. This 
is why. You know what this is. This is an iceberg, basically what Chicago looks like for six months out of the year. And I want you to think and I want you to look at this iceberg and imagine what you see here on the surface as representing all of your actions and your reactions and your choices and your decisions. Everything that everyone experiences off of you exists on the surface. Okay? Does that make sense? Everything is kind of existing there on the surface. And I believe that this is actually where most of us tend to live. This is where most people live, is on the surface. It's why when someone says, how you're doing, your answer is fine, great. And maybe you are fine, but what does fine even mean, right? It's because we just kind of tend to live on the surface. The conversations we tend to have tend to, not exclusively tend to, be on the surface. The interactions we have with others tend to be on the surface. The relationships, a lot of the relationships in our life can very easily stay on the surface, true? In fact, I would argue that most Christians, people who said yes to Jesus and follow Jesus, most Christians spend most of their Christian expression on the surface. It's about outward things that we try and do to make others think that there's an inward thing going on. It's all kinds of that behavior management kind of stuff, right? And I think that's just where I think we are conditioned in many ways in our cultural context to stay on the surface. But if you know anything about icebergs, you know that this is not the whole picture, is it? Because there's actually something beneath the surface and it looks just like this. That's what an iceberg looks like. It's not just what you see on the surface. It's actually what's below the surface. In fact, scientists, as they've studied and tried to better understand this unique feature of our planet, have discovered that roughly, typically, most icebergs, what you see above the surface is only 8% of the mass of the iceberg. That the other 92% of the iceberg is where? Below the surface. This is why when we kind of tell our story of the Titanic, you know, and why it caused such catastrophic damage, that's why. Because as best they can tell from old newspaper stories and photos, the iceberg that the Titanic ran into was anywhere between 50 and 100 feet tall. So imagine if that's only 8% of the iceberg, how much more was below the surface. You can see why it caused such damage. And while we're on the subject, there was plenty of room on that door for Rose and Jack. They both could have stayed on the door and spent the rest of their lives together. But that's another message for another time. That's, we're going to save that for a relationship series. It's, um, I just had to get that off my chest. All right. All right. This is what's really going on. This is actually what Paul is talking about. There's all the things that we do, how we act, how we react, the decisions we make, the way we interact with others. That's all actually on the surface. But what's really going on, what really matters and is worth paying attention to that we so often don't, is what is under the surface, what is beneath. Because what Paul is saying to us here is that what comes out of our lives comes from within. Everything that comes out of your life has a source. It's not random or arbitrary. What comes out of your life, the things you say, the decisions you make, the way you treat others, the way you even talk about yourself, all of that comes from within. It has a source in you. What you outwardly do comes from what's inside of you. That's what's really going on. Whatever it actually is. Whether it's sin like Paul is talking about here, the sin that can so often drive and compel us to make decisions we would never ever wanted to make, 
But it's also true of worship. Maybe you've had a moment here in Soul City where you're worshiping. You feel so compelled to sing out to God. You haven't maybe ever done that ever before or anywhere else in your life. But there's something going on inside of you that is coming out. It's how and why you react to and treat your boss the way you do. It's how you spend your money, how you treat your neighbor, how you talk to your spouse, how you talk to your kids, what you post online, all of it actually comes from below the surface, from what's really inside of you. Because what comes out of you comes from inside, from within. Which is why it is so incredibly important in your everyday life and relationships, but more specifically, in your everyday life with God and your relationship with him, to understand what's going on down here, to name and to actually bring into the light, to bring to the surface what it is that's really, really going on. How do we do that? How do we move from this 92% of what's really going on up out into the light? Well, there's a tool that I want to share with you that I think can uh, have an immediate impact on your life. It's something that we use around here at Soul City Church. If you've been around here for a while, you probably know exactly where I'm going to go next. Uh, it's something that most of our small groups, which are kicking off here, signups are today. Uh, most of our small groups use this tool. My small group that Mark and I lead for the last seven years, we've opened just about every small group with this tool. Our staff uses this tool. We open every elder meeting by using this tool I'm about to share with you. In fact, we use this tool in our home with our kids at the dinner table. It's a little practice that we like to do with them. And the name of the tool is sachet. Has anyone ever heard sachet before? Sachet is a way of understanding what's beneath the surface, what's really going on in your emotional state. Sachet stands for, let's actually read these out loud, and I'm going to ask you to read them with at least a modicum of emotion, just a little bit of emotion as you say it, all right? So don't read it like you're at the 8.30 service. Read it like you're at the 10.30 service and you got dressed up to be here. So let's read through these together, all right? First one is sad, then angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. Now these are the six core human emotions. There are so very many more, but that would have been a really long acronym, right? So it's just these six core emotions help jumpstart us into understanding what is going on. And I feel like I need to name the misspelled elephant in the room. I know that's not how you spell sachet, okay? I didn't invent this. It's an acronym Get over it, okay? It's just a tool to help you remember some of you are already feeling anger that it's not spelled the right way. Let's work that out together with God and then get over it because it's just an acronym. But do you see how powerful this can be to understand what's going on in here? When Paul's talking about, I don't know why I do what I do, I would say it goes back to one of these core emotions. There is something going on in you that's driving you, that's coming out of you. It's a powerful tool. Again, if you haven't written it down now, I would write it down because it's a great way of just checking in. You don't need to have anyone else with you to do it. You can do it all on your own. What's going on right now? I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling anxious. What's going on right now? Oh, I think this is why. Do, 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 do. Just able to work down and go, yep, that's what's really going on here. And then I'm, I'm an open book to God and to others. It's a powerful, powerful tool. And the, the way to kind of jumpstart this tool, to kind of turn the key of this tool, is to ask yourself this simple, simple question. And this is it, really simple. Anyone can do this. Here's the question. What's here now? That's it. Like, what's here now? What emotion, what's going on, what's here beneath the surface 
now. All kinds of other things are coming out. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I didn't even want to say that. I didn't even want to act that way. So just pause and go, okay, what's here now? What, 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 what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? It's sadness, anger. What's going, what's going on right now? Is, is there tenderness going on, excitement? What, what is going on inside? What's here right now for me in this moment? And as you begin to identify, oh, that's what I'm feeling, that's what I'm feeling, here's a great rule of thumb. Don't judge it. Welcome it. Just be like, oh, oh that would explain it. Yep. Golly, what if I hadn't have named that? I wonder what, how far I could have gone down this path. Don't rationalize it. Well, the only reason I'm feeling that is because they did this and she said that and last night in the news. Nope. Just this is what's here now. However, it got here, kind of irrelevant at this point, but it's here now. Okay, God, this is what's going on here. And here's the beautiful thing. This is why it's so important. Do you want to know who gave you those emotions? Your creator God gave you those emotions. And he welcomes every single one of them. In fact, he longs for you to open yourself up to him at whatever it is that you are feeling. There's not an emotion you can feel that scares God or turns him off from you. You can direct every single one of these emotions to God. Or just bring them up to the surface. God, here is what is going on. What is here now? So how does that work? What does that look like? Well, let's say for you, uh, there's an area of your life where you're just super stressed out. Let's say it's around your finances, your money. You're just so freaked out. You're so stressed out about your money. And you're not sure how it's all going to work. And you kind of ma- maybe you've made some bad financial decisions. Or you kind of keep making these bad decisions with your budget. And so you're, you know, all that's going on. You're stressed, stressed. Great question to ask yourself as you're sitting down doing your bills. Or as you get another statement that comes in the mail. Just ask yourself, okay, what's here now? What's here now? What do I feel as I think about and make decisions around my money? What's really actually beneath the surface? Maybe you'd say, I feel scared. I feel scared that there's not enough. I I feel scared that I don't have a plan for my future. I feel, whatever it is. Again, don't judge it. Welcome it. That's what's going on right now. Boy, you know, you, I can make some pretty bad decisions out of fear. Like I can make decisions that'll affect me and my kids for years to come all out of fear. Okay, I want to know what's going on. I feel scared. Or maybe for you, you feel angry. You're just, maybe you're like, I just feel angry. I'm I'm angry. If you really boiled it down, I'm angry at the fact that I made these decisions financially. I'm angry that I bought that and I I knew I didn't need that. I'm just so, okay, I'm angry. I'm not going to judge. I'm just, that's what's going on. Or you're angry at your ex because of how the divorce settled out. You're just angry at that. Okay, I'm just directing all this at them. That's where this is coming from. Or you're angry at the college loan industry Rightly so. You should just be angry. Everyone should be angry. God honors that. Um, do you see how even when you sit down with your finances, you can just check in. What's here now? I mean, it can save you, not just money, heartache. It can save you from bad decisions that will affect your future. Just by that simple little question, what's here now? What am I feeling right now? as I sit with these finances. Maybe for you, uh, it's a coworker at work that got promoted. And you, you're, you know, you're kind of excited for them. Like, oh, congratulations. But like then secretly, like when you get away from them, you're kind of stewing or you're steaming inside. You know, you find yourself maybe disengaging in, in meetings. You're just kind of pulling back because you just want everyone to know, pick up on your signals that you're angry at something in the universe, right? But it's this person's promotion. Or maybe you're overcompensating in meetings to kind of show that you have value here too. Or maybe over lunch, you're just going and you're looking for other jobs. All of that came from one person's promotion. So a great question to ask is, what's here now? 
what's here now? What's really going on right here, right now? And maybe what you would say in that moment is, I feel, I feel really sad. I feel really sad that it wasn't me. I feel really sad. I feel like I'm unnoticed here. My work goes overlooked here. I feel sad about it. God, what, a, what an amazing discovery that God can lead you to, you can invite him right into. Okay, that's what's going on here. So rather than just reacting to all the stuff on the surface, I can understand what's actually going on here. Now, where do I want to move forward with God from this sadness? I just need to feel the sadness. I just feel sad. I don't even know if I need to send an email about it, send a text about it, go to my boss's office. I just need to feel this right now in this moment. See how powerful, how that can just cut some really bad decisions off at the pass, right? Maybe for you, you, uh, you were a moment ago when we were singing worship songs to God, you found yourself crying. You're just crying. And you're like, I don't, these songs aren't even sad songs. Why am I crying? Why, what's going on? Why do I? Maybe it's not the first time you've done that. You know, when you come here on Sunday, you are singing, or maybe in your cars, you're worshiping, you find tears begin to flow. Great time to ask, okay, what's here now? Where's this coming from? And maybe what you'd find is, oh, I just feel so tender. I feel so tender. I felt so far from God, like Joe's story. I felt so far from God. I was so mad at God. But yet in this moment, as I hear these words or as I'm singing these words, I just, I can't help but feel, experience his love for me. He really does love me. He hasn't walked away from me. He's here with me now. That, that tenderness is a powerful place to worship from. You see how this works? Or maybe this is a hypothetical situation. Let's say uh, you're on a date night and you're heading to the date and you just blow up, just absolutely <laughs> irrational. Again, hypothetical situation. <laughs> But let's say that happened. So here's exactly what happened. I blow up and I'm staring out the window and Jeannie's like, what is going on here? I was able to take this tool and ask, okay, what's here now? And I said, oh, wait, hold on a second, Jeannie. I got quiet, about five, 10 seconds. It didn't take real long to just go in what's below the surface. And I was able to name to her, I feel scared. I feel scared there's not enough time. I feel scared I'm gonna fail this weekend. I feel scared that, that I'm going to have to borrow from our kids and from our family to finish my work this weekend. I feel angry. I was able to say, I feel angry. I feel angry at myself for not managing my time better. I feel angry at every single person who wanted to meet with me. I feel angry. At, you know, I was able to just come. Oh, that's what's going on here. I feel really scared and I feel really angry. It has very little to do with this moment or even this interaction. But what I was able to do is name that and then look her in the eye and say, I, I am so sorry I directed that at you. This is going on in me and I want you to know that. Will you forgive me for directing all of that at you? Can I have a redo? Before we even got to our date, it was done. Move forward and redo. That's powerful turnaround in that cab ride. I mean, the cab driver was crying at the end. Like it was, <laughs> you got saved. We baptized him right there. Like, it's a powerful tool. That's all I'm saying. It's a powerful tool. But you see how, I mean, it's just a little, okay, what is going on beneath the surface? Because what comes out always comes from within, always. And the best thing you can do is to just pause and say, what's going on here? And God, I invite you in. You welcome me. You welcome these emotions. So God, I welcome you into this, in this moment, whatever it may be. It's one of the best ways I've found at understanding what's driving my desires, what's driving my uh, compulsion towards sin, what's driving my uh, adoration of my kids, what's driving my love for this church. What is going on in this moment? It all comes from right here, what's here now. And when I open myself up to that, 
I open up all kinds of possibility for connection, integration, and transformation. Now, I want to close out by just giving a few quick caveats, and then we're going to uh, celebrate communion together. We're going to come to the table as we are. Uh, quick couple caveats as I close out this message. First little quick caveat. Um, for anyone here who says, uh, I'm just not an emotional person, you know, maybe you say, I'm just not an emotional person. I'm not, I'm just not really my thing. I, it's great. I appreciate it. It's just not me. I'm not emotional. Do you know that's actually not true? That's not true, actually. Maybe you don't know how to express your emotions, or maybe you weren't taught how to do that, but that doesn't mean you are not emotional. In fact, the reality is God has given you access to every single human emotion. In fact, the truth is you are emotion-full, and what we want from you is to explore that and experience that. I think small groups are one of the best safest places to do that, to just say, okay, I'm going to dabble in this. I'm going to go beneath the surface because I believe God's put something here. Well, next little caveat. Can we agree together to stop apologizing for our emotions? That, that's rooted in what I believe is um, a lie, that there are negative emotions. There's no negative emotions. Emotions just are what they are. They're value neutral. They just are what they are. But maybe you grew up in a family where it wasn't safe to be sad or to be tender. You watched anger outbursts from one of your parents, and you learned that that maybe is the only way to express, or success is the only way, but you could not express. You didn't feel safe to do that. I have nothing but compassion and love for you if that's what you grew up in. Or maybe for you... You know, you just feel like, God, if I, were to, if I were to really show my sadness, if I were to really show my tears, if I were to really name my fears right now, it wouldn't be welcomed. And honestly, honestly, you don't ever need to apologize for what you're feeling, ever. The invitation actually is to feel it fully all the way through and to invite God into that. And for the rest of us, to never make someone feel like they have to apologize for their emotions. Can we agree to that together? to welcome and just hold space for it and go, awesome. This is what Jeannie did for me in the car. Awesome. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. I see you that much more now. Last two caveats. And I'm going to have to lean into some, I'm going to paint with a broad brush here, okay? I'm going to kind of lean into some stereotypes. I know that we don't all fit into stereotypes, but it kind of helps just with this idea. And I want to speak just to guys right now in this next little caveat. Guys, can we commit together to actually diving below the surface to living lives that are more expressive of what's really going on. We got enough surface stuff in this world. Men, can we agree to that together? To be able to have the courage to say, I'm scared, I'm sad, I feel really lonely right now, I feel really anxious, and to have the confidence and courage to be able to name that out loud. Can we agree to that together? I think we will find a much deeper bond with each other and with others when we do. And I would say this, if it feels to you like expressing your emotions makes you less of a man, that's actually a lie too. It makes you more a man of God when you do. Because we have a long legacy of folks who were felt fully free to express their emotions to God. In fact, we follow a Savior who made it very clear where he was at and what was going on in all moments. Guys, can we agree to that together? And thanks, Joel and me, you got this. I got you, Joel. And ladies, can we agree together to not make it so complicated to understand <laughs> what's going on? I'm actually really serious here. 
sometimes, not all the time, you make us work so hard. I honestly feel like I'm in one of those submersible subs just trying to get down to what's going on. I've got the lights. I don't know what's going on. You are a beautiful complexity of emotions, and God made you that way, and that's wonderful. But having someone guess what you're feeling doesn't mean that they know you or love you more. It's actually just playing a game with them. And that's not really loving, is it? Can we agree, ladies, you, are, you, are, you lead the way oftentimes in bringing what's under the surface to the light. Can you help continue to do that by just naming it rather than making other people guess or try and figure that out? I think when we do that together, holy cow, our connection to each other, men and women, men and men, women and women, our connection to each other gets so much deeper and reflects the life God actually created and intends you to live. That's why we do all this. If we can't get that right here, what hope do we have in this world? If we can't create a space for people to come as they are and say this is what's really going on beneath the surface and that to be welcomed, them to be loved in that space, then what are we doing? I don't have time. I don't think you do either to pretend, to have a pretend surface level faith. God created me for so much more. He created you for so much more. And we get to actually do that with each other. And so your homework this week is just that. No surprise. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a sachet check-in with one, at least one other person one time this week, okay? I want you to actually say, hey, I learned this. You can blame it on me. I learned this thing in church. My pastor told me I have to do this. I would love to do it. Can, can we just check? I just want to check in. Before, you know, we have dinner tonight. That's an easy way to do it around the table, right? Or as small groups kick off before a small group starts. But you got to do it this week, okay? Or here's the fun one. Here's the fun one. I want you to do this. Some of you, I want you to take it all the way and do it at work. Ah, that's going to be fun. Let's see what happens. It's like, before we get this meeting started, I thought we could check in. And then you got to tell them why sachet is spelled the way it is and do all. I'm telling you, we, so when Jean and I went on our date night, we met up with some old friends we hadn't seen for years. People we love, but just hadn't seen each other for many years. Had not been around the table together for almost 20 years. We got together, and as we were connecting and showing pictures of our kids and life and all of that, Jeannie, of course, set the pace at the table and said, hey, before we get going tonight, I would love for us to just check in. And she explained the things. It was one of the most beautiful connections for us to have together, to be able to just say, oh, here's what's here now. Here's what's going on now. So that's your homework this week, at least one sachet conversation. Just see how it goes. And it's a tool you can use by yourself, all by yourself, whenever you want. The reason we do this and make such a big deal about this is because this, we have a God who actually gave us his emotions and invites us to bring them all to him. And as we come around the communion table together today, I thought, what a beautiful picture. You know, here's Jesus around the table welcoming in the one who would betray him, welcoming in the one who would deny him, those who would abandon him. But nevertheless, they're all welcomed around the table. And as he gathered his followers there together, he gave them a little a little symbol. He gave them a picture of his body and his blood through bread and through cup. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to pass out in, here in this room and on our overflow as well, uh, the communion elements. All I'm going to ask you to do is quietly, please quietly, take the bread and hold on to it, take the cup and hold on to it. And here's what I want you to do. Practice a little check-in with God right now. Here's what's here now, God. I feel scared. I feel angry. God, I feel so lonely. God, I feel so excited. I'm so excited about my, whatever it is, just name it and find yourself, all of who you are, welcomed to the table 
with Jesus. You know, when Jesus said that we are to love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul, with all of our mind and with all of our strength, do you know that he actually meant it? He meant it. And so we get to bring all of who we are to him and to the table right now. So I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers to come forward. And in a moment of reflection, let's bring all of who we are to him in quiet reflection. Hold on to the bread, hold on to the cup, then I'll be back in a moment to lead us through these elements as we close out in worship.